You are listening to Three Kitchens, a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Join your hosts, Aaron Walker, Heather Dyer, and Sarah Somasundaram for some good old home cooking. This episode of Three Kitchens is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation, proudly supporting community needs for 65 years. Whether someone is battling depression, fleeing domestic abuse, or worried about putting food on the table, it's times like these that inspire people to help others during a period of unprecedented needs. The Calgary Foundation is here to help. Through the generous support of donors, the Foundation offers a wide range of funding opportunities for organizations who share a common goal of building a healthy, giving, caring, and resilient community, one where everyone thrives. Discover a wealth of resources at calgaryfoundation.org and learn more about the Calgary Foundation on their Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube channel. Did you hear that ad? We did. That's new. It is. It's new. We're now a member of a network. We here at Three Kitchens have joined the Alberta Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Three Kitchens, our home cooking podcast. What's happening today? What's happening? So, you know, we've been, it's been a challenging week. It sure has. We've started, you know, online hubs. So the kids are learning from home Mm -hmm. and it's been a little difficult but like a ray of sunshine we found out that um I don't know if you guys remember but I used to go on and on about this Japanese dollar store that I used to shop in (laughs) in Asia whenever I went there and I would come back with a suitcase full of bowls and ceramic whatnots and hoping they wouldn't break right and I would (laughs) transport them back to Calgary and so my kitchen is full of Daiso bowls and plates and cups and blah blahs and uh, we just found out that there was a Japanese dollar store that opened up in Calgary recently called Umomo which I believe is the same company as Daiso Uh from what I read but I can't confirm Uh, yeah I've spent a lot of money there already and you introduced me to it too, because we met there one day last week and had a nice little browse. We spent a lot of time, I think. We did. We spent a lot of time. There are a lot of things. I yeah. like, I almost feel like I shouldn't be sharing it with the <laughs> listeners because I don't want to share any of that stuff with anyone else. I want it all. Oh, they have but there's so of much stuff. of it. There's so much of it. It's quite big. It's, it's huge. It's a big and- store. Yeah. And it's got beautiful things, right? Yes. Yeah. For such good prices. I, I have to say, prices. I mean, I was really disappointed. I didn't get to go and waste a bunch of money and time there. <laughs> it's not, it's not a waste. Uh, no, not a waste. Not- <laughs> no. And you'll, you'll have, I, I say chance. that in an affectionate way. Like yes. sometimes just going to the grocery store, two hours gets away on me. And I'm like, how did I just spend two hours grocery shopping? Yeah, you could easily yeah. spend an hour. I here. could just snoop in the aisles forever. Yeah. And I remember my mom being like that. And mm. it kind of drove me crazy because I'm kind of a to the point person. Like I go in, I get what I need and I get out. And so now I've turned into that person who like has to remind herself, like you need to leave this store, get what you need. And <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. So we shopped at Umomo. We got a bunch of bowls and plates Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But I I have to talk about this one thing. 
I, I don't know if it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're going. So, <laughs> so, you know, Umomo is just like any amazing, well, it's not like any amazing dollar store. It's just a whole level up from that. Mm. But um, there's a whole section for cosmetics mm. and masks and face masks. And Heather and I found these lip masks. And I guess you, you put it on your lips for, I don't know how long, Heather. I 10 minutes remember. or something, 10 minutes or something, yeah. and, you know, you get, you get plump lips or something like I haven't tried mine yet. Have you tried I, yours? I did try one. I bought two and I tried one. And honestly, I didn't feel there was any, like, I didn't get, I didn't feel anything from it. And I've had face right. masks that I've really loved. Not this one. Right. Lip stuff. Yeah. And uh, we're wearing masks all the time. You know, I'm oh, going to hey. come at this on the opposition. <laughs> we still have to look in the mirror. You still have dry lips. <laughs> oh, Don't it's you? to help the dry lip? Yes, it's moisturizing. It's moisture. It's oh, I thought it was to like plump your lips and make you. No, no, it's all... not giving you those lips. No, no. no. <laughs> but, but the funny thing about these products is that a lot of them have Japanese instructions in them. And the nice thing about Japanese instructions is that they come with pictures. Uh-huh. So we turned it to the back okay. and we looked at the picture instruction and it said, you know, to place it on your lips for 10 minutes, blah, blah, blah. But you can also place it on your nipples. And I'm not sure what <laughs> it's supposed to do to your nipples. Moisture. Now, <laughs> moisture. Moisturized nipples. And I'm not sure if I should, I should try the lip mask first and then maybe I should go. If it works, I'll go back and I'll get a pair. I didn't try More. that. I only did the lips. Right. I would, I would want to test the allergic reaction first because <laughs> I don't know. Well, I don't know what would be worse to have the allergic reaction on your, your face or your <laughs> Well, both are masked anyway. On yes. Outside, so there you go. Matter. We cover both of them up. Nobody knows. <laughs> it was quite funny. You expect like different things than what different. you see, but that was a little more unusual than I've would, like was I was a, good a little surprised yeah <laughs> it was good it's good and Sarah was looking at all the packages to make sure she got the one because they had a sticker over top and yeah. she didn't want the ones that the sticker covered the little nipple picture because she wanted to be able to show people well, the picture. I took a picture and I sent it to you Erin <laughs> yeah I, I didn't understand like, it you bought something for your cosmetic stuff at the store like the <laughs> congratulations <laughs> really open it up yeah so fun who'll be laughing when you have when I have moisturized nipples (laughs) if your text ever starts with hey so this morning my nipples I'm just not gonna gonna delete that line of text oh boy boy. (laughs) you can count me out then Oh boy. Maybe we should get back to food here. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not making anything Japanese, but I am going to make something French. And I feel like the French are also very free and mm. open and probably would use the nipple uh, masks. So I think we're, we're right in line with that. <laughs> because they embrace their body. They and, embrace it. Yes. And they also embrace their cuisine, which is absolutely delicious. I hope it will be delicious. First of all, let me tell you, I recently got this a French cookbook mm-hmm. um, called Bisou et Brioche, which is by Laura Bradbury and Rebecca Wellman. 
and it is, says it is classic French recipes and family favorites from a life in France. Can I say I'm immediately intimidated just by reading this cover because I have <laughs> really? no idea how to say it. <laughs> bisou a brioche. Brioche <laughs> is a type of bread and bisou is like kisses or kind of affection. Okay. Speaking of lip masks. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Bisou. Okay. Um, the reason I bought this book is because I'm a fan of Laura Bradbury, one of the authors. She okay. is a writer and she's written a series of memoirs about her life in okay. France. She's Canadian from uh, Vancouver Island. And as just after she graduated high school, she went on an exchange. She thought she was going to go to Belgium. The Rotary Club sent her to France. She ended up meeting... Mm. The man she would eventually marry. They had all these adventures and um, bought property there and renovated it with all sorts of mishaps Mm. and fun things happening. And so her grape series, it's called of memoirs, is just really charming and fun to read. And love it. All through it is the food. There's the French as she first arrives as a, you know, 17 year old. And she's like, what is this? Her first time eating escargot and like all kinds of things where she was introduced to all this French food. Some of it in restaurant settings, some of it, a lot of it homemade at her host family and then at her uh, future husband's family. Of course, everybody's an amazing home cook. Oh, and they all make all this amazing stuff. And just the, the way she describes the food just makes you want to eat. What a fantastic, authentic way to experience the food by living in someone's home like that. Mm -hmm. Very totally. What I'm going to make is gorgère, which is described as pillowy cheese spiked puff. So I'll just tell you how Laura described it. She, my friend, Laura, she's going to think I'm some crazy stalker person (laughs) because I follow her on Instagram and I think she just seems like a really cool person. And I do (laughs) that. I think we would all hang out together. I think we all do that to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, My friend, Laura tells me. I was going to say, we never talk about strangers and from their first name, like we know them. Totally not. (laughs) Hi, Roy Choi. It's fine, Laura. Don't worry. Okay. I'm not a crazy person. All right. So Laura tells me it's not complicated but it does take a certain coup de main to know when they're ready to bake. And I translated coup de main and I believe it's like helping hand. So I don't understand. <laughs> like, uh, but anyway, I think there's a, there's a trick to recognizing when the dough is right. Okay. To go in the Tips oven. Tips and tricks. Is this a rising yeasty proofing? It is not. Oh, I was all excited that you were getting caught up in our business. <laughs> no, but this... <laughs> I did a little Googling, of course, because I wanted to learn a bit more about um, gorgère. And it turns out it is a shoe pastry. Okay. Are you familiar with a shoe pastry? Yes. No. Yes. Oh, Okay. no. So a shoe pastry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to have to back the train up. Please educate <laughs> me. So in French, a pat, a shoe, is essentially translates to a cabbage pastry. Shoe is a cabbage. And it's called that because the way it kind of puffs up, it can take the shape kind of like a little head of cabbage, I guess. Kind of an odd name, but anyway. So shoe pastry does not have a rising agent. Instead, it uses high moisture content to create steam during cooking, which puffs the pastry. Oh, I had no idea. Me either. And and when I picked the recipe, I didn't know it was the fancy shoe shoe pastry. Laura didn't tell me. (laughs) She didn't, she didn't explain that part. Okay. 
You would never guess that, Erin. <laughs> if you haven't seen a shoe pastry, if you have seen one, you yeah. would never guess that it doesn't have a rising agent in it. No, I've never seen one. But the way you described it is scrambling my brain a bit. So, yeah. uh, okay, so go for You have seen a shoe pastry. Yeah, I think you have. Shoe yeah. pastry is what you make churros, cream puffs. You know, cream it's puffs, like a little yeah. puff that's hollow in the middle because the steam sort of puffs okay. it up. I've never made one though. Sarah, can you think of something else? Yeah, that, no, I'm thinking uh, um, cream puffs or anything with a filling in it. Sometimes during Christmas, uh, some people like to make a shoe pastry Christmas tree. Oh, it's like a tower. What's that thing called? The madame, croquembouche. A croque- that's it. Croquembouche or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like a tower of all these poofs and there and there's caramel or something all over honey on it yeah. or something. I don't know. It's like craziness. You know, I've, I've always wanted to try a shoe pastry. So I'm really uh, interested to because I love cream puffs. So it's a cheese. Yeah. Puff. Sounds even that better. That sounds way yeah. more attractive than any yeah. sort of sweet one. And it's along the same lines, apparently similar to a um, like a Yorkshire pudding, except the pudding goes in a mm. in a cup, like in a right. tray muffin tin or something okay yeah because it's a hollowed out in the middle when you mm-hmm. pop it out okay so and the way these are cooked is first on the stove and this was a part when i first got the book and i was reading it and i said you guys what kind of recipe is this i don't understand <laughs> okay this is that recipe yeah so you boil water and fat so in this case the water butter you add in salt and nutmeg and you boil that then you take it off the heat and you put in your flour <laughs> Sorry, I got a cat over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paco, hello. So you take it out, you put in your flour, and then you return it to the heat and you keep mixing it until it forms a ball. Interesting. D- okay. Dough. That sounds like Play Doh. Yes, exactly. Remember, we talked about this with the empanada. But empanada was in hot water, though. This, this water will still be this hot is when you put the flour boiling, in, right? This is yeah. a bit okay. different. Yes. Yeah. So then you put the ball of dough. She says just to stir, but I've read other things that say it's better to use a mixer that might be helpful. So I'm going to go with whatever's most helpful. Okay. I'm going to put it in my mixer and then you add one egg at a time. This was the part that had me oh, kind of confused. Yeah. Like, how do you okay. stir an egg into a ball of dough? But I'm guessing it's softer than what I was picturing. It's more like cookie dough, like rather than yeasty dough. Yeah. Like, oh, interesting. And it's important that the temperature of that dough, so the egg can be blended into it. Like you don't want it too hot when you put your Mm. eggs in. Right. You don't want it to cook, I guess. And then when that's all done, you should be able to put it into a pastry bag. So it is not a ball anymore, like a Play-Doh kind of ball like it is it's not a dough ball anymore it's a it's somewhere between a dough and a batter hmm. yeah you put that into a pastry bag that's how you get those little balls right you squeeze them out onto your tray nice. wow. and then you bake them mm-hmm. apparently the science around that is in the initial cooking with the flour and the water paste rapidly hydrates and gelatinizes the starch in the flour So it kind of swells up like really quick. That's the reason with the hot water. You put your eggs in, which has more water and egg whites. Then you're baking that and that steams up. The outside is going to be a little bit crispy because it's got the fat content. Mm, This sounds good. And then you can put in whatever you put in cheese. And so her recommendation is, oh, Emmentaler or Gruyere cheese. So you grate that up. Okay. You can put any kind, apparently cheddar or whatever, whatever kind of cheese you like. And okay. then grate that up and kind of work it into it with your hands before you put it in the pastry bag. And Oh, so the cheese is in the batter. Mm-hmm. It's an appetizer. 
essentially. So what Mm -hmm. it's like a little cheesy pastry and they typically would eat it with when they have a drink, like Mm. a a parasif, they have their little pastries and a traditional sort of snack or appetizer. Sounds good. That sounds delicious. You could do that with like, you could do that on the side of a meal instead of bread. Like with yeah. a stew, yeah. Or why not? Something? Like a Wouldn't cheese bun. Kind of. How long are you supposed to bake this for, and at what heat? Okay, so four hundred degrees mm-hmm. Fahrenheit okay. for sixteen to eighteen minutes. Oh, that's not bad. Okay. So she claims claims her husband makes the absolute best gorgere in the world. I won't ever be able to compare unless they invite me to their house. Yeah, which they might. They might after this. You never know. Oh. Yeah, I think so. We're just waiting for the, you know, vaccine thing to kick in and then you'll be over there. Yeah. So perhaps she will invite me over and uh, we can compare Frank. Uh, hi, Frank. You you and I can compare our gorge here. <laughs> we'll, see. <laughs> we'll see who's are better. Yeah. Maybe I'll be maybe I'll be the new crowned queen of gorge No, I doubt it. But <laughs> but I'm excited to make them and to, to see. Yes. Somehow I managed to find myself another particular sort of French yeah, recipe. <laughs> but you know what? It doesn't sound as, as complicated, I think, no. it, mm. <laughs> until we hear what happens in the next half of this recording. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it could true. all go sideways, but let's hope not, because yeah. all the stuff that you just described, as intimidated as it all or intimidated as I feel right now from, from all of that, <laughs> <laughs> the French and the new techniques. Um, <laughs> that, that sounds delicious. I would love to. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you're taking this for a spin. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll test it out and I will definitely give you samples. Mm. Yes. And well, thank you. We'll see. I've never eaten one either. So no. I've, no, had, never, I've never had a savory one. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had a savory, uh, shoe pastry so mm-hmm. and never made a shoe pastry so, no so i just <laughs> learned about them today so <laughs> Look at trust this. me google it you'll know it <laughs> i think <laughs> yeah you'll it's find like your out bow story i've never had a <laughs> yeah. bow you know now that i think back on that date like you were sitting right next to me during dim sum when you were eating bow so i think that's why i was so confused about the whole thing <laughs> i was like what was I not there? <laughs> Did you just pretend to eat it and like stuffed it under your yeah. chair? Or... <laughs> Give it to the kids. I didn't I like it. I just <laughs> finished this up for me. They just walked from my mind. I don't know. When you started describing them, they just, I don't know. I think because I looked at the fancy ones, I wasn't really sure what the real ones looked like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and exactly. so like, I've had those like in an airport before. They were terrible. But like, I just yeah. forgot. Yeah. It's an honest mistake. Yeah. <laughs> so Heather, I, like, I'm really looking forward to this. So you let me know when they're coming over because then I will get my drink ready to mm-hmm. eat it with. Yes, you, you need that's your aperitif. Can we just, we'll go sit down at a park bench, just <gasps> below your house. Yeah. And when oh, they come no. out of the oven, you just skip down the block. <laughs> you have to skip. Did you hear that? You have to skip it I will over skip. to us. I will skip. You have to bring the drinks, though. I don't trust All myself right. to skip with the snacks and the drinks. Oh, no, I wouldn't want anything to happen to the snacks. 
You bring the drinks. <laughs> I will skip on down with the snacks. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Join us after the break to find out how it goes. I look wee forward wee. to it. We <laughs> we. <wee. wee. laughs> <laughs> look at you speaking French. I know. I'm so good. <laughs> A choux pastry batter is used to make all sorts of things. Profiterole, croque-en-bouche, éclair, beignet, crullers, churros, and I've probably just mispronounced all of them. But don't worry about it. However you say it, just make the choux pastry. You'll love it. This episode of Three Kitchens is brought to you by the Alberta Association of Optometrists, proudly celebrating a century of caring for Albertans. It happens. Many people don't call their optometrist first for urgent eye care when they need it. From spring cleaning mishaps to winter eye infections. If you or your family have an eye emergency, doctors of optometry are trained to diagnose, treat, and prescribe medications. No referral necessary. And just a reminder, Alberta Health coverage is available towards your urgent eye care appointment. To find an optometrist in your area, visit optometrists.ab.ca. The Alberta Association of Optometrists represents almost 800 doctors of optometry in over 80 communities across the province. Members are highly trained, regulated health professionals who provide primary eye health and vision care to Albertans. Learn more at optometrist.ab.ca. Welcome back to Three Kitchens. So, Heather, how did your, let's, uh, you're going to have to pronounce this one for me again. Let's just clarify. I need to just say that I think I've been saying it wrong the entire time. <laughs> and pardonnez-moi, s'il vous plaît, our French-speaking listeners. I think I've been really gouging this word. Okay, I believe it's gougère. And now that I've said it once, I feel like I should just say cheese puff the rest of the time. <laughs> so that I don't just keep ruining this lovely word. Okay. <laughs> so how did the gougère turn out? The gougère. Oh, crap. I said I was only going to say it once and now I've said it again. <laughs> that cheese puff. <laughs> lovely little puff of cheese turned out great. I was, it was surprisingly easy for something that I was quite concerned would be right. difficult. Mm-hmm. They, I thought they turned out great. You guys had them. Oh, you yes. like them? I have to give you double credit because not only did you make a completely foreign French recipe that's a pastry, but you did it while your kids were at home and you were homeschooling. <laughs> you were like, oh, I'm just going to whip these up while you're schooling kids. Amazing. <laughs> Somehow Amazing. It, just, it worked out. So I'm just curious because you gave us a few Mm. Few. Mm-hmm. As in, I, I wanted more. They mm-hmm. were really yummy. How, do they make a lot? Laura's recipe says makes about 30. And I think it was about mm, less. It was less than that. It might have been about two dozen, maybe 25. Okay. Okay. But it probably depends on how big you make them because right. you're piping them yeah. out. It's not an exact right. measurement. A couple of things I found really helpful. So just to refresh your memory, you cook on the stove, you boil your water mm-hmm. and your fat. So in this case, butter. Then you mix in your flour. Mm-hmm. You put it back on the heat and you it, you keep stirring and it forms like a ball. So you have sort of a ball of dough. Okay. And then the instructions say to add the eggs one at a time, stirring into the ball of dough. And I thought, how the heck do you stir an egg into a ball of dough? Because I was picturing it like a bread dough. Mm-hmm. And really, it's not, 
it's not really like that. So something I found helpful was a, I think it's a blog. Is it a blog or a website? Um, called Serious Eats. Have you oh, guys yeah. ever seen yeah. Serious Eats? Yeah. So yeah. Yep. they go and do the research, they break it down, they test out the recipes, mm -hmm. they tell you the science behind stuff. Mm. And super helpful in this case for shoe pastry. If mm -hmm. you ever want to make shoe pastry, mm -hmm. look it up on Serious Eats. They have a how to make shoe pastry tutorial. They suggest following precise temperatures, which I think, I mean, I assume it really helped because they worked out. So when you've got that in your pot on the stove and you've got your ball, right? put your, put your thermometer in there. Okay. And... You want it between 165 to 175 Fahrenheit. Then you know it's ready to go to the mixing bowl. So in Laura's recipe, she just says stir the egg in, into it. Mm -hmm. Serious Eat says you can do that, but it's easier if you use a mixer. What kind of thermometer are you using? I use the meat one that I have that has the long cable that you can stick into it and yeah. keep it outside the oven. You know that one? Mm -hmm. But you, they say an instant read thermometer mm -hmm. if, you, if you've got one of those I don't no I just have a meat thermometer at this point but if you can yeah. use that then okay. the one I've got worked great excellent to know once I got to the 165 I put it into my mixing bowl and they suggest use the paddle to kind of stir okay. it around a couple times yeah. it breaks it up a bit and makes it a little cooler because you need to cool it a little bit before mm. you add those eggs in right. so that you don't um. get an eggy soupy mess. Right. So yeah. you want it to down to 145. So you were between 165, 175. You want to cool it to 145 and then add your eggs one at a time and make sure you mix them in completely there. So there's no evidence of egg before you add the next. Uh, and are they whole eggs? Four whole eggs. Then you can, it can sit at room temperature. It can wait. You don't have to use it immediately. Mm. Uh, so I did that. I did the temperatures very carefully. Sorry, I got one question about the temperatures. What is the purpose of the 165 temperature? Is that so that everything incorporates and cooks? in Because um, you're basically cooking the flour, right? Yes, you have to cook yeah. it so that the starch in the flour gelatinizes. Okay, okay. That makes it strong enough to hold its shape. Okay. Uh, like, I guess, depending on what kind of pastry you're making. It might not need to be hollow, but this you want it hollow, right? So right, it needs to right. puff up and hold its shape. Right. And when you pipe it out, you don't want it to run out. Okay. Mm. There was some comparison to the Yorkshire pudding. Ah, right. Which is a very similar, it puffs up, it's hollow in the middle, but it's like a batter. It's runny when you, ah. so you have to put it in a muffin tin. Right, mm -hmm. right. It doesn't hold its shape because it hasn't been cooked right. initially for the starch to stick that's all very sense. scientific listen that i'm very scientific sense. here <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense yes science moment so there was a bit of history with series eats they often look at where did this originate they said whoever made this up just like we often ask like <laughs> why did somebody come up with this right. recipe especially with weird <laughs> finicky um very yes specific types of recipes like this like the macaron, we, Sarah was like, who would come up with this and why? <laughs> um, the Serious Eats people said the same thing. And apparently, dating back to medieval Europe, there was a thing mm -hmm. called a hot water crust, which is still made. And that's how they make those British, um, like a meat pie. 
I guess. Right. So it's okay. a different kind of crust. Like a, you couldn't just set it on the pan typically and fill it with stuff and it would hold it all together. Like it moves and it kind of, right. that's why you need a plate to put it in usually. And then over time, this would have been like a shoe pastry is adding eggs to a hot water crust, essentially. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is, makes it hollow, I guess. It's like changes the structure of it by adding all that egg in there. I don't know. It's very confusing. <laughs> but it works. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of had a thought because we were relating this to Play-Doh and how you cook the Play-Doh, but it's extremely salty. So do you think mm. one day somebody was making a shoe pastry and like I, I, many of us have done before, you're going to add your salt in and you add too much oh. and you're like, oh shit. And so then you started cooking it and then you realized, oh, it made like a dough that you could, it wouldn't taste very good, but you could play with it. So they like gave it to their kid. Yeah, maybe. Let's color it. And mm-hmm. then it got gross. So they were like, well, I wonder if I could make that without the egg in it so that it didn't, you know, mold as fast or whatever, you know, yeah. so <laughs> it's like mistakes that worked. Very possible. <laughs> yes. All right. So I put it in my pastry bag and then... Let's see what she says here. So you can also use a spoon, spoon or a pastry bag. Use a large round tip and dollop a tablespoon of dough on the sheet pan for each one is about a tablespoon. One inch between and sprinkle with sesame seeds if you like, which I did. Mm, And oh, and I also used Emmenthal or cheese. Is that the right Ah. pronunciation of that? I don't know for sure. Spell it if you can't see it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even want to spell it. I think you know what I mean. Um, You can use any kind of cheese. Grate it and put it into the bat. I don't know if you call it a dough or a batter. It's somewhere in between the two because it's runny, but it's not like. So do we call it a datter or a bow? (laughs) (laughs) They call it dough, but it's kind of a weird consistency. Maybe it's a dough because it holds its shape, whereas batter just goes bleh. Yeah, maybe. Right. Mine cooked for, they, she says, 16 to 18 minutes. Uh, in typical Calgary fashion, it took a couple mm-hmm. more minutes. It was right. 20 minutes. And then um, according to Sirius Eats, who suggested turning off your oven and put it, opening the door a crack, sticking mm-hmm. your wooden spoon in the door and leaving it open that crack and let it sit for 30 minutes until the oven cools. Leave them in there. Don't touch them. So it doesn't collapse. Yeah, so they don't yeah, kind okay. of fall uh, right. when they, if you bring them out too soon. Now, Laura didn't say that, so maybe hers, she doesn't do that and they work fine. Mm-hmm. But I did follow that instruction and they were great. Um, mine were not quite as crispy, I think, on the outside as because everything said to be careful not to overbake. I was a little concerned about uh-huh. overbaking them, but I think I could have baked them just a little bit longer to brown them a little bit more on top right make them just a little crispier on the outside okay Mm -hmm. and then maybe they would have held up better like the next day it was more like a little bun it was kind of soft which is still tasty still good right still gobbled them up but it wasn't quite the same i would say if you're going to make them make them right before you want to eat them based on what you said you could do that was it like one tray of them that you made i had two trays but I put them in at the same time which normally I don't do in my oven because I find yeah like one sheet of cookies works better than having two sheets of something but I just thought well I'm gonna put them both in there and it worked just oh excellent 
which is good because otherwise I would have had to then take them out, reheat my oven to do the second sheet because I've now let it cool right. down. Mm. Right? Yeah, that's a lot of patience. So you said you left them in the oven for a little longer. How did you know that they were not done at that point? Like, how did you know to go longer? Mm. Or how did you know when they were done? I was waiting to see them brown a little bit on okay. top. That's a good indicator. Yeah, 20 minutes was good, but I think I could have left them a minute or two longer and just yeah. to see if they'd be a little crispier. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, when you piped it out, your tablespoon, how much did it expand from that sort of, uh, like, what was the size of your dollop? Dollop. <laughs> so I've got a little picture. You know, they didn't get a lot bigger. Okay. They look kind of like the like the shape of a little, they kind of swirled a little bit when they came out. And this, you remember, shoe pastry means cabbage. Mm-hmm. Right. Named for the fact that sometimes when they puff up, they take the shape of a little, a little cabbage. head of cabbage, kind of. Mm-hmm. They puffed up a little bit, uh, maybe ha- like 50% bigger. They don't spread out. They didn't. I don't think they spread out at all, really. Oh, okay, that's what I was kind of Mostly about. up. Up and hollow, oh. remember? Because they mm-hmm. have to get mm-hmm. taller and hollow right. in the middle. Mm-hmm. They were so good. So good. So good. Yeah. You delivered them and they were still kind of warm in the bag. I unfortunately had to share with my kids. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, they were gone in a matter of minutes and the kids thought they were amazing. And it was, it was so light and mm, Mm -hmm. it could have had a bit more crisp. I totally agree. The outside could be crispier. But it was still, oh, I loved that cheese flavor with that mm-hmm. dough. Oh, I don't know how to describe it. It was it was really good. It just kind of like melted away as you chewed it. I don't know. It mm-hmm. was it was really great. Mm-hmm. I really, really yeah. enjoyed those. I would I would like to try and make them myself. I mean, you made it seem so easy. <laughs> like I said, they were surprisingly easy for mm-hmm. something that I thought would be a little bit tricky. Mm-hmm. Really came together. And I, I don't know if it was because I was carefully watching those temperatures or if the stars just aligned. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You're now the French pastry master. (laughs) I wouldn't say that. This is the only pastry. Remember the macarons are not pastry. That was a meringue. That's a different beast. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) These are much easier, honestly, than macarons. I'd say anybody, if you want to try them I encourage you because it's it really was simple and really I mean they they say they this is like an appy mm-hmm. that you have with a drink before dinner and I would say you could easily have it that way as a snack or like like Aaron you said have it next to like soup or something like in place of bread with your dinner yeah yeah it would be totally yeah I didn't yummy. even wait to make a drink to have them they were so good no so delicious yeah <laughs> So do you think when you make another batch, do you think you would, would you ever double this? Because I could eat a whole four four trays of this easily. Yeah. Would that be easy or would you make it into like individual batches? Uh, You could, you certainly could, because it's not so finicky that you can, like you can leave the dough sitting on the counter until you use it. Right. So you have some time. It's not like you have to hurry up, like. Again, the macaron where it was like, oh, don't leave it sit out right, too long. Right, right, okay. Um, I would, the only thing I would say is make what you're going to eat. Unless there's, unless I just need to figure out the best way to reheat them so that they're a little bit crispy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 
I would think one batch would be good for like your family to have with dinner or whatever. That's plenty, mm-hmm. I would think. And now we know how to make shoe pastry. We can make all those other things with totally. shoe pastry. You can make with cream chocolate in it. or yeah, 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 yeah. or the croquembouche or whatever. Or like yeah. we can make all the things with shoe pastry now. <laughs> I kind of like that these are warm and savory because I find the sweet and cold cream puffs, it's kind of cold and and right, it doesn't yeah. maintain that crispiness on the outside. I kind of liked that it had a little bit of crisp to it, you know, and yeah. like you said, you could even do more. It was a shoe pastry is some like churros are made with shoe pastry. They're just right. fried instead yeah. of. Yeah. So you'd pipe it differently with a mm-hmm. different, yeah. you know, you'd pipe that long tube right. and you would deep fry it and yeah. then put your cinnamon sugar or whatever on it. Right. When are you making those? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so confident with deep frying. I love that you taught me about this shoe pastry. I think I kind of screwed up the science of it. So if anybody really cares about the gluten and the science and how that oh, works, oh. maybe go, yeah, go and do a up. little reading because I don't, I don't think that I was quite clear on that and I didn't take great notes. So I apologize <laughs> right. if anybody was looking for that specifically. All I know <laughs> is it's actually quite easy. They're tasty and totally worth making and you'll mm. impress somebody who comes yeah. over for dinner or whatever if you're going to a picnic or barbecue yeah. whip up some of those take them along and you'll impress everybody with your lovely little cheesy puffs yeah and you found them so easy that you're gonna make another batch probably today right you I'm said? you know what I might I said that earlier because yeah. I think I'm gonna do a beef stew for dinner oh, yeah. and I just might do I was thinking doing with cheddar and yeah and um try that out why yeah. not yeah, because I because I ate all the other cheese. I ate all that emmentaler that I love so much. Yeah, <laughs> so now I need to use a different cheese. <laughs> and try like I would try like herbs or mm-hmm. kind of like with your focaccia when you were yeah. talking about putting sage or rosemary or whatever. I, I think flavors, that would yeah. be great. This just had um, a little bit of nutmeg. I didn't really taste it in puff. I don't know if you guys did. No, I ate it. I scarfed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's apparently kind of traditional to have the nutmeg with the cheese. Oh, but I didn't really taste it, but I think it would be fun to try some other flavors or garlic. Do a garlic cheese puff. Yes. Oh, I like that. With some parsley. Yeah, yeah, that was a winner for sure. It was it sounded so easy. They were super delicious. Why not? And exactly. You can impress yeah. everyone when you learn how to say the word and say, I made gougere. <laughs> Even if all you say is you made shoe pastry, yeah. a pat de shoe, pat de shoe, pat de shoe. There we go. <laughs> I probably just screwed that up too. I'm very sorry. Very sorry to all those French listeners. <laughs> we'll learn our second official language eventually. I know. That's what feels so bad is that we are Canadian and our, we don't know how to pronounce these French things. And I did at one time know a fair bit of French after high school and it's kind mm. of just gone away. Yeah. Yeah, I never knew any French, so I'm <laughs> I'm the worst. But Sorry. you've got the Spanish pronunciation pretty. I've got more Spanish well. down, but that yeah, I, I should have more French. But we'll work on it. We'll make it one of our missions. Our mission. We need a mission statement. <laughs> Part of it is pronouncing recipe names. <laughs> that just means we we have to make more French food, or you have to make more French food, and I have to eat it and then learn how to pronounce it. So. That is your task. Uh, and I will take it on because I've got this beautiful book, The Zoo et Brioche. I recommend. Mm. 
I have now made, in addition to the gougere, I have made、mm. the bourguignon with that with the egg noodles. I made my own egg noodles from this cookbook as well、yeah. that I had、yeah. with the bourguignon. So、mm-hmm. I recommend the book, and I will keep making stuff out of it and sharing with you, and we'll see what else we can we can mispronounce but make lovely food. That's right. <laughs> All right. Thank you once again for joining us. And thank you, Heather. Thank you're welcome. Thanks. Thank for, you for culturing us, <laughs> such as it is. Such as it is. All right. We'll catch you next time. Okay. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. And now for the fine print. You can find recipe information and photos on Instagram and Facebook at Three Kitchens Podcast. Why don't you leave us a comment? Give us ideas for future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, if you like and subscribe and follow, all of those things help other people find us. Might be hard to say, but easy to eat. No matter what you call it, it's still gonna taste good.